This is episode 15 of the Homestead Shop Talk podcast with Al from Lone Acres, Ben from Holler Homestead, and myself, Jason from So the Land. And it's just uh, three dudes just talking on the phone, and, and uh, we're recording it. <laughs> and uh, just having fun with it. And that's all we're doing here. Uh, nothing too fancy. We're just hanging out on a, uh, it's actually Monday night. And these, we put the podcast out on Friday morning early. I post the podcast on like iTunes and Spotify and other podcast apps. And then uh, usually around 10 a.m., I'll post the YouTube video podcast on our Homestead Shop Talk YouTube channel. So today's topic, we're going to talk about um, homesteading on one acre compared to homesteading on say 500 acres what's the difference is that what is that right guys yeah that's basically the difference what is what is the difference or if there's any difference at all uh does it does it change uh do you have to homestead different uh i i, I know i'd be curious to know uh, uh al's perspective uh jason's perspective i think it'd be an interesting topic yeah, but first we're going to talk about uh, anything exciting is happening this week or anything we got in the works. Um, does anyone want to go first? Yeah, I can go first. Uh, mine will be pretty short. Uh, uh, Meg's mom has flown out and is staying with us for the week. So we're just enjoying company. We're just sitting around. Actually, you know, honestly, Meg has put her mom to work. Uh, they've been sewing and I mean, just doing all sorts of stuff. It's like so much for a vacation, like you got some slave labor out of your mom right now. So it's, it's been good. It's uh she got here yesterday and has pretty much been working all day long. Every time I've come in the house, Meg's mom's just busy working away, sewing and stitching and doing all sorts of stuff. So uh, she'll be here with us for a week. So we're just cool. going to play it by ear. Uh, we're not real worried about filming videos uh, because, you know, being present and uh, visiting with family that we don't see very often is more important than filming our life. So, you know, if we uh, if we get to work on stuff around here, that's cool, too. But we're just going to be enjoying the visit. Okay, so there's something exciting that's that's happening this week. I finally got the Starlink uh, internet, but I'm not using it right now. I haven't hooked it up yet, so <laughs> <laughs> I have not hooked it up yet. I just got it. I just kind of opened up the box and see what I need to do, but it seems pretty simple, like plug and play. Um, it is. So, yeah, I'm excited to get that going. Hopefully, I could get that going tomorrow, you know, like this week. Yeah. Um, once you get it plugged in and you're using it, let it go for like, a, it could take a day or two before you really start getting like the best internet. Cause it has to like figure out where your location is and dial in the satellites. So it can take a little bit of time to really tune in and then positioning it like the way they, the best way they tell you to makes a big difference also. Yeah. Facing the right satellites. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a little bit of my concern because we have some really tall trees uh, yep. and we've tried like sat other satellite, uh, providers and they just did not perform because of the trees. I mean, I have companies tell me like, oh, we can't do it because you have those trees. Um, they're not my trees. They're like surrounding me. 
So I'm curious to see how this is going to do. I hope, hopefully, hopefully it, it, it works. You'll be able to go out. If you download the app on your phone, you can go out with the app and kind of like just play around with the phone and it'll, and it'll tell you like how to pick up the best, like how to point your, the satellite dish the best to get the best reading or whatever. Yeah. And if you don't have it the best, it'll still work. You might just get more like lagancy in between. Cause we once, hmm. we had a position for like a year facing not the optimal way, but we had to have, I why we had to have it that way. But like it was on this side of the roof. So if the satellites are over here, the roof was blocking it, but we couldn't put it over to that side. I forget why. And then once I changed it, it was a lot better. Okay. Yeah. So I think it, it should be all right, but we'll see. Um, so yeah, there's that. And what else? I've been kind of slow on putting out the videos on my end, on my channel, because, uh, um, I've been working on just different things. Like, uh, I'm doing drawings for this, uh, workshop that's coming up here at our, our place. Um, a chicken tractor, like the one you built, Ben, I'm brought, I'm, I'm currently making drawings for it. So that takes some time. So just taking time out of my day to like sit down and make drawings, uh, dimensional drawings. Um, so hopefully mm -hmm. I, I that does take a lot of time. Though, so hopefully I can get back to our, regular scheduled program what program do you use to draw you to draw everything uh sketchup sketchup yep yeah they have like a free they used to have a free version now they have <laughs> like a 30-day free trial version but then after 30 gotcha. days they make you pay so yep it's very similar to what i learned i didn't learn that i just it's very similar to what i did learn uh, another program I, I learned from so it was kind of easy to transition. Oh, I know what we're doing. We're uh, butchering, getting ready to butcher some turkeys this week. So half our turkeys. Now, is that going to be a workshop or is that who's doing that with you? No, I think it's just going to be us. We decided just to do us. Um, yep. And then we might try to sell some, some of the turkeys. Um, nice. But, yeah, that, that's That'd just going to cool. be us. Just we're, we're just going to knock it out. I mean, it's only going to be five of them and I still have a, another six turkeys that are not nearly ready yet. So those probably won't be ready till I'm assuming December because they are super oh, really? slow growing. There are our brown turkeys that we have, our heritage turkeys, and they're just, they're really slow. Like they're not, I feel like they're not even growing. <laughs> but supposed to be your Christmas gooses yeah. for this year. I hope at least by Christmas. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we'll see. So this week we've been working on prepping and getting ready. We're going to be pouring concrete in a couple of days for the post and beam barn we're going to be building. Um, so we're getting all the fun grunt gravel and forms and rebar part done. Not that much fun, but... The end stage of that is a fun and exciting, but getting there, we don't enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Seems like every morning you wake up and a new body part and new muscles are sore because you haven't worked them like that in a long time. <laughs> that just means you're that's alive. True. That means right? you're alive. Right, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <Yeah. laughs> we were tying rebar and 
I don't know, we spent probably three or four hours just down on the ground, kind of like in a squat form, tying rebar, like up, down, up, down. So luckily the sun wasn't out, but it's been warm where we are. It's like 70s and 80s. And, you know, right now we're usually probably like 40s and 50s. So we're enjoying the seasonal warm, but we're not used to it. So but yeah. we got done tying the rebar. We did that Saturday. And our friends have a... Uh, small brewery in Littleton, New Hampshire called Shillings Bear Company. And every year they do an Oktoberfest and they, the proceeds go to nonprofits. And I'm a board member on the Littleton Food Pantry. So this year, some of the money was going to that nonprofit. So we said, oh, we'll help out. We did the bear pouring. And they had like, I was either like 30 or 40 different brewers from around the U.S. And they had one from Mexico. And some of the brewers were there. Um, I was pouring for, I don't know if you guys know of it, Burial out of Asheville, North Carolina. I've, I've heard of it, yeah. You've heard of it. So I was had their beer. That's who I, whose beer I was pouring. And Gina was pouring um, Fox Farm. They're from Connecticut. And the people from Fox Farm, are the two brothers, they were up and we were talking to them. They do a lot of wild fermenting of their beer. So like just collect yeast from the, from the air and they ferment their beers. And they had like, I don't know, this was a, one of them was, I'm not a beer guy. We don't, me and Gina, we don't really drink. We don't drink beer. So it was kind of interesting. Like everybody there like knows beer and like, they're like sipping it and getting all the flavor notes and everything and really into it. And we're kind of like, okay, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> talking to the brewers you know they're really passionate about it and it's just kind of interesting the different ways they go about it and it just it got me thinking a lot like they're into brewing kind of like homesteaders are or at least we are into meat and wanting to learn how to take care of everything the old way so i find that very interesting and in the you know like these breweries have either are or they found a way or if it's just a niche that they're able to do that like if you wanted to do like the old world way of meats and charcuterie you wouldn't be able to do it as easily i don't think as beer and stuff so and then the other thing like shillings beer company they do a lot um with local farmers there's some farmers around here that they'll like grow grains and stuff so the shillings will buy from them and use their grains, their barleys, and then they save all of that after it's fermented and they give it to a local pig farmer. So I think that's kind of, you know, it's one of those things like it's almost like I can see it kind of fitting in with a homesteading niche because they're trying to do a lot of the same things we are, just different, but then they're also really involved in the local food movement. That's really cool. A conference in Texas I had went to last year or beginning of the year and um i met a few folks out there that i forget where they're at they might be in, i think they're like in they might be in like pennsylvania or maybe even connecticut i don't know but they have like breweries but it's also like a farm you know they'll they'll, yep. they'll run their chicken tractors in between you know whatever is they're growing for their beer you know that's cool and and, and do it that way and they also have like a little restaurant at their brewery of food that they grew oh, wow on their land you know i'm talking like meat too like so it's kind of like yep. all together um but yeah i mean i think it it can it can go hand in hand for sure 
it's like another thing to add if you're going to be doing something like that and it could be like the money revenue or the you know what i mean it's kind of a lot of people like to get their bear and they're not afraid to spend money on something like that it's like be one way to kind of like generate more income i guess to start your different businesses so that was our big excitement we we don't go out very much and we got to go out i think there was they had two different sessions there was 800 people at like the 11 to 3 session and we did the four to eight and then they had like live bands there was like three different live bands playing so that was kind of you know we don't we don't go out and do stuff like that so it was like a little mini vacation and it was in our town, so it works out even better. That's fun. Yeah, that's cool, man. Well, I guess, how did this topic come up with you, Ben? We started homesteading, you know, in our suburban lot in California. We were on an eighth of an acre. I actually think it was less than an eighth of an acre. Um, we were, I, I found a drawing. I was going through some old stuff, and I had, I had my... Uh, when I put in sprinklers in our backyard, I had all the measurements of our backyard. And our backyard was 60 feet wide by uh, 30 feet long. That was the the stamp of you know the size that I worked with for growing a lot of our own food. We had uh, layer chickens, um, and then a whole bunch of perennials planted. You know, every tree we could fit in there. That kind of stuff. That kind of thing. Well. We basically maximized that space as much as we could to grow everything we could. But then coming out here, you know, you figure everything that we had in California, all of a sudden we could cram into where we're parking our vehicles. Like, you know, we're on six acres, seven acres now. Uh, All of a sudden it just scales. It feels infinite how much we could do with this property compared to what we came from. Um, and so with that, uh, I thought it would be kind of interesting to hear the perspective of both you guys, you know, Jason moving from an acre and a half to 14 acres and Al moving to what you're on, like you're, you're bordering on wilderness. So I, I don't know. I, I, it would be kind of cool to hear your guys' perspective on, is it any different from living on a small homestead? Or is it exactly the same? You just have a bigger backyard. It's more of a workout, I would say. <laughs> On one and a half acres, you can walk everywhere. It, right. It's doable. Like, that's very doable. Uh, but, you know, when, even on just 14, it's, you know, that's a lot. Uh, you're going to need something to drive around in, even if it's a golf cart or or even a, a zero-turn lawnmower you know, something like that to, to do stuff and, and haul things. Um, that's one big thing. Uh, and I think everything costs more money because you need more, more things. Um, fencing, uh, water lines, you know, everything's more. I think a lot of that too comes down to is we're starting from raw land and you're starting from, a horse a horse farm that really wasn't maintained or kept up and same with you ben you're starting from a raw land kind of what was done in your place before ben did they do any kind of raising of I animals mean, or we, is it just no you kidding i don't think an animal has been on this property in 100 years um you know outside of maybe some dogs um a lot of broke down vehicles were on this property um a lot of trash um 
you know, it was kind of, kind of a rough property. Um, basically when we bought it, we considered the structures all junk. Um, and we were excited that there was a septic system and power so we could build something right away if we wanted to. And you know, rather than build new, we just decided to redo this mobile home. So, uh, you know, everything else after that, like the barn, the barn was actually in better shape than the either of the house structures. Uh, honestly, we probably should have redone the barn. That would have been a pretty cool house. Uh, but, you know, we had to build where the septic system was, so... I think a thing to to take in consideration, if you say whether you're on one acre or 500 acres is, um, I guess, what are your, what are your goals? Uh, you could, you might have 500 acres, but still only use one, you know, right. or use two, you know, you're not, you're not using the whole 500 acres necessarily. Um, so I, I like that option though of spreading out of slowly growing you know because when we're on one and a half acres you don't have that option of of using another acre because you have it you know you we have one acre one and a half acres that's it and so in a way it's nice because you could walk around and it's small and you could just look out your kitchen window and see everything but then after a certain point, you're like, man, I wish, I wish I had one more acre, you know, so that way we could, you know, have a couple pigs or do this or, or build or build something, you know? Um, but that's just my brain, you know, like I, I imagine if I was more complacent, then we would have stayed at our one and a half acres and it, it would be it would be highly efficient by now. Like it would be super efficient. Like it would be, there were so many things more we could done to it, um, to make it a lot better and really make it work. But, you know, then I want to do different things. So that's something to take in consideration of what, I guess, what you want to do with your land. I think that's a big one. Jason is figuring out what you want to do. If it's, on your land, how much do you want to be able to do? What's your future plans? I know like for us, we bought, so we bought over 500 acres. It was all wooded. It had a road or like an old logging road that wasn't maintained. It had two, it's got two ponds on it. And then there's a bunch of trails, but the property, when we bought it, the people that we bought it from, they had owned it for 30 to 40 years. They bought it off of a logger who logged it all. And then they never did anything with it. They went in and they mowed the road, but I don't think they like really mowed the road that great because it was like all the sides were encroaching and coming, the trees were coming in on it. Um, so there was, so for us, the big thing right now is, is trying to figure out what we want to, what we want to do with the land. Like we're trying to have like visions, but not have them set in stone, if that makes sense. Cause it's so big and you can't, everything being covered in woods, you can't see like what would work good so like right now we're in the i guess I will, i'll call it the exploratory term trying to figure out and cut out you know so we have we had it logged the first winter we had some of it logged and the biggest thing i wanted logged is there was a bunch of um fir trees and hemlock trees in there that were i mean it was like toothpicks you 
they were small trees, but they were toothpicks and they were starting to rot. And when we got it logged, we found out there, some of those trees were a hundred years old and they were like wow. six, eight inches around and tall. And then half of them were probably rotted inside. So we've had a property before that was like that. And we had a windstorm come through and blew over all the trees and you couldn't walk through it. So in my head, I'm like, hey, I want to clean up the property because if I have all this land, I at least want to be able to walk through it and enjoy it. I'm not saying I'm, I'm going to be in the woods or clear cut everything or make fields everywhere, but I want to be able to go out. You know, if you want to go out and walk through the woods, I want to be able to walk it and not like be tripping over myself. So we wanted to have that done. And then we wanted to clean up the old logging trails so that way we can get around the property. Um, so we had... We walked it, we kind of figured out like, hey, this is a good spot. We think this is a good spot because that's hard too. Everything's covered in woods and we're trying to figure out where we want to put a house. So we went with an area that was self-facing and that seemed relatively flat. And that's what we had clear cut and um, logged and stumped for the house. And then we've just over the last, so we had it logged one other time. So we just do the logging in the winter because if you log in the winter, the ground's frozen. And then that way they're not really messing up the land as much. So like the machinery weighs so much. If the ground's frozen, they're not running it up. Smart. So our land's, yeah, our land's pretty wet. We have a lot of springs and water runoffs, which that's one of the reasons we like the property. And there's a ton of water. So in my head, I'm like, okay, if we want to put pastures here, there, anywhere, we can find springs and kind of feed water sources all over the place without electricity so it's just trying to keep those things in mind and so we did we did some cutting the first year and then once it got too muddy comes our springtime they call it mud season we said okay we're done cutting for this year we'll wait till next winter and the nice thing about breaking up the logging is we were able to walk through it and check it all out in between the two seasons and kind of see more so that was nice and then the nice thing about getting it logged the first time is it it's a big piece of property, but it, it forced us to go and walk everything and mark all the property lines. So we've been out and we've flagged all the property lines and find, found all the old pins and different stuff like that. So, But like you said, Jason, you're not right away, you're not using all of the land. It's nice to have it. And I think the bigger thing is like having a a bigger picture or an idea of what you want to do, but let the land speak with you and tell you like, Hey, yeah, that's a great idea. Or, no, that's not a good idea. Cause have you, how are you with that on your 14 acres? Cause there's, there's some spots that you're seem like you're still exploring and haven't cut. And I'm assuming you're not like set in stone. Like that has to be done here, but trying to figure it out as you go. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess it's really just figuring it out as we go. Um, yeah, I mean, I had that forestry mulcher come in, and that helped a ton uh, just to kind of get us – at least we could walk in the woods now, and there's like a trail. I could drive in there, or we could walk in there. Uh, it's like a hiking trail almost, and um, at least we have that. And, I mean, I don't – yeah, I mean, who knows? At this point, there's no plans to really use the woods except for maybe some pigs, but, um, but yeah, I mean – that's one of the reasons why we wanted the bigger property too was uh to maybe build another house on there like like if our daughter wanted to build something on there um yep. you know she could 
or, you know, a small home or something, um, versus we realized that, you know, a couple of years after we moved to North Carolina with our one and a half acres, cause that wasn't even in our radar at first. We're like, you know, it'd be cool to have, you know, you know, our daughter to build a house next to us, but I didn't even think of it at the time. Um, right. It wasn't until we started meeting other families out here that do do that. Um, okay. You know, they have like multi-families living on their land. And then that was like, whoa, I didn't know you could. Well, I mean, I guess I heard of that. You know, you, you I've seen a movie before with that, you know, but didn't actually see it in real life. And I thought that was pretty cool. I wanted to give that option to our daughter. If she wants to build a, a small home on our place, she has that option. You know, if not, well, then, you know, that's up to her. But, you know, I would love to have had that option growing up. You know, like that's, that would be unbelievable to do. Whether I would have taken that option, I don't know. (laughs) Comparing, I guess, yeah, I mean, I think it really comes down to how much space are you using. You might have a bunch of acres, but I guess over time you could grow into that. Or you could have a lot of acres just to not have neighbors. (laughs) So yeah. like for us, we'd always, we wanted something bigger. I think we were, we were looking, I was looking, or we were looking for like, I would say between 40 and a hundred acres. That's kind of what we were looking at. And we found the property that we bought, it had been on the market for three years. Um, we paid under, I think a lot, I think a lot of people think we're millionaires because we have this big piece of property. Well, we paid under $500 an acre for it. Ooh. So wow. yeah. So, and then you're able to log it and then you can use that money. And what we did with that is we put that back into the land. So like we logged it, but it's like, okay, now we can do land improvements. But so that was the big reason why we purchased this property is we've always wanted a larger piece of property with bigger dreams and visions. We don't know how far we'll get, but land they're not making anymore. And it was to us, it was like, Hey, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity if we can do it. I think we should try because I don't know. I don't, I don't think being able to buy that big, big of a piece of property will ever have a chance to purchase something like that again. Mm-hmm. That's so, a once in a then, time for sure. And then COVID hit like this was right before COVID. It had been on the market for three years. So it was priced like way before pro COVID pricing. So yeah, we ended up finalizing everything during COVID or like during the beginning of COVID. So before anything went crazy, which was luckily luck, luck on our end. So, so now we're just trying to plan and have different visions of what we could do with the property. We have a lot of wood, so we can just let the woods grow and then you can log it. You can just, you know, you can go in, you can cut firewood. Um, we're redoing the trail system so we can have trails. We use it in the winter time. We'll groom the trails. We can go snowshoe and hiking. I I kind of feel like two on the same hand, we're losing more and more of that. Like just having a place to go that's like quiet and be able to get in the woods and just have like just peace, I guess. So I don't know. I'm kind of conflicted. Like what do we do with the property? Like do we want to have it all farm? Do we want to have some, you know, just wooded area and just 
like nature stuff kind of thing. But I think time will tell what we do. And I think we're living in a weird time still. So it's kind of hard to come up with ideas of what you want to do with how expensive everything is. It's, it's kind of slows you down a little bit. Like currently, like how many acres are you using right now? Right now, I would say we're probably using 10. We have like another 10 that we are working on that we want to build like a greenhouse and more of a garden area, probably like two acres we had cut. And then we had that stump this year. Um, and then there's probably like a eight acre patch that we had cut, but we didn't have it stumped, but we had a perimeter trail put in. So that way we can fence it off. We got to figure out if we want to put goats in there to help eat, eat down all the, you know, cause this, everything's been cut. So we have stumps and now the popple trees are starting to regrow. And it's like two, three high, two to three feet high of popple trees. So it's like, okay, we want to put goats in there and have the goats eat the popple trees down. Do we want to get Highland cattle and put Highland cattle in there to do that and then run pigs in there or like, I don't want to stump it. I want to, use the animal somehow to reclaim it all and turn it into a pasture. And then there's an old, there's an old hay field, which doesn't look that great anymore because the beavers had gone in there and flooded it out. But back in the day, it was an old hay field that they used to make hay out of. So we got to try to reclaim that at some point with animals. So it's just, it's a slower process, I guess, but it's enjoyable. I think I would almost say with, more land you got to be able to have more of a longer vision and you got to be more patient would you say that makes sense guys yeah, you have that one... makes perfect sense i think it's a good thing kind of slows you down and makes you think and makes you kind of like have a, a larger vision because you're like you have so much but you can only do so much at a time what about as far as like growing food and like maybe raising animals you think like having the larger property versus like one acre you're do you're raising animals differently or is it, or is that you think that's the same? You just have a larger property to do it on. I think having the larger property is nicer for doing pasture raised and grass fed. You know, you have, I'm thinking you guys must feel the same way. You know, you can have more grass for cow or your chickens and pigs and stuff like that. And then having, I would say more woodland to run pigs in is going to be nice too. But like moving them around, like we still, we, we're moving around animals like we did on our one and a half acres. We're still doing that, you know, chickens still moving those pigs still moving those. Uh, but on your one and a half acres, you could you have done the beefy boys? You think? No, we wouldn't have been able to have a milk cow. I don't think before with the way our other property was set up, you know, and be able to, and be able to rotate her and move her around like we want to. That's the, that's the part with the larger acres. We maybe, you know, looking, looking back, I mean, towards the end there, we had some good grass going, you know, we're, we're moving those chicken coops for six years. So we, we got some good grass and I would say maybe we could have raised maybe like two sheep, yep. you know, moved moved them around because uh, we had we're on all grass and i think we probably could have done that i don't know if you guys think about it more now with having more land or 
maybe not even having more land, but maybe wanting more land, like, do you want to get more into it as farming and being able to raise more meats and proteins for other families? I guess my mind goes there. Like, how much do you want to get into that? And how, how, you, how could you make that work so it's profitable for us, but also affordable for everybody else? That is actually something we have talked about. Um, you know, do we like this life of raising meat and raising, you know, animals for us enough to get into doing it for other people, you know, go from homesteading to farming. I mean, ultimately that's the difference, right? If right. you're doing it for yourself, you're homesteading. If you're doing it for making a living, you're farming. Um, I, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's just like anything. If you try to take a hobby and turn it into your main gig, Unless you truly do love that hobby, it's going to become a job. Um, and I think with a lot of people, uh, do you necessarily want to turn your your dream life into a job? Because uh, that that could be a slippery slope. All of a sudden, you know, there's a lot of people. All of a sudden, you hate going out there and doing chores, and you hate feeding the animals and taking care of the animals and stuff like that. Uh, it's a kind of a slippery slope. Um I think where I'm at with it is, you know, I think I would always say a little bit more land would be cool, but in the grand scheme of things, I don't feel like we've maxed out what we can do on our, you know, now seven acres by any stretch. Um, I feel like honestly, if we took everything that we are doing right now and had to move it up next to the house, we'd probably only be using maybe an acre. Um, so, you know, realistically, if we, uh, you know, took the pigs out of the woods and brought them up here and brought the cow up here and the chickens, you know, it's probably an acre. Um, and so to, you know, realize how spread out we are on this property. Yeah. We're using seven acres, but we're not really using seven acres. Uh, so I don't know. I, I guess that's where the initial question, is it different? on five or, or on one acre or 500 acres came from is I think in the grand scheme of things, if you have the room to spread out, you will, but you don't necessarily have to, if you don't want to. Well, I think the management thing is important. You have to be a better manager on the one acre because you got to be more efficient. You got to be like, you know, almost like more structured because you only have one acre and you don't want to be running, you know, pigs in their poop all over again, you know, or the chickens, you know, like if you're going to be moving animals. So I think, I think in a way on smaller acreage, it probably makes you a better manager because you don't have room to spread out. I guess that comes down to, I would say almost your goals. Cause like for us, we have larger, so say we're using, 15 acres right now or we want to we were trying to get 15 acres into better production so we're trying to manage that so it's better or growing better and i would say you're, you're probably like in the same place or all of us i think are we're trying to better the land so it'll grow more i think that's one of the struggles with purchasing land nowadays like land's not meant for farming it's, you know what I mean? Like people aren't farming on their land. I actually talked to somebody I used to know and he bought some, he bought a house back in mass and Massachusetts has some really good farmland and he bought 
cut off an old farmer. He built a house on it. And he was complaining because they had ran cows there for like 40 to 50 years. His grass grew and he had to mow his grass and he had like two or three feet of like this really rich topsoil. I'm like, I wonder, like, do you hear yourself? Like, that's like what most homesteaders dream of. And this guy's, you know, it turned into a housing development for these people. And they're like, oh, we have horse, we have flies everywhere. Our grass grows way too good, you know, and it's like, that's what I think most of us dream of. And that's what we're trying to get our land at, which sometimes is a struggle. Yeah. Yeah, that's sad. That is really sad. It is. You know, it's just growing houses. It's not in in lawns. They're not, I'm sure there's lots and lots of houses on it that are that way. And I'm sure a lot of the area where I grew up in is that way now. I think the management thing, I think we're all trying to do it to get our land more productive so we can have better and more food on it, I guess. That's our goal anyways. Yeah. I think for us. I think what's funny is. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, Go ahead, Ben. Sorry. I think what's funny, uh, driving around, uh, just, just say our neighborhood, for example, um, there's maybe one neighbor within a mile that has a garden. Um, and it's like one out of 20, uh, and you know, houses aren't right close together around here. Um, and seeing that like, this has all been farmland for a very, very long time. Uh, and it's just sad to see that nobody's utilizing any of this farmland. You know, everybody, everybody sure has nice lawns, uh, but nobody's grown anything other than lawn. That's just, and if they're sad. growing, they eat the grass. If they're, if they're growing, it's just corn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And the corn's probably for like, Oh, West, most of the corn's for ethanol. It's not even for food. It's for gasoline. Well, I think like for us, at a certain point, you know, we can only grow so many, so much food for us. I I do feel like, man, eventually I'm gonna start like selling some food because I like having the animals, you know. Um, but honestly, like next year, we grew so much food this last year or last year and this year is that I probably don't have to grow any food to, next year, <laughs> you know, like no meat. You know, like we haven't, good. Put a, we haven't put a dent really in the two, the two cows we butchered and the three pigs, you know, all that. And like, but my, I, you know, the land needs the animals, you know, I, I guess I probably should have been more patient and not done it so quickly, <laughs> but so, you know, at a certain point, you know, either you get the animals and then you have to figure out what are you going to do with all that meat? How are you like doing the chickens this time of the year, Ben? Do you like having the meat birds later? Heck yes, that's that's a no brainer. Um, I've noticed they seem to eat better. Um, they it's cooler, so you don't need to worry about water as much. Um, yeah, I, I don't know everything about it. Like the flies aren't as bad, the stink isn't as bad. Even though it's like it's warm this it's gonna be warm this week. We're supposed to be into the the low eighties this week. It's been so cool. It's just like it's wonderful. You know, it's I have to wear like a, a hoodie in the morning when I'm doing chores. The meat birds this time of year are just perfect because you know, all that, you know, it's not stinky, it's it's just it's great. Um 
the thing I like about it too is uh, if you do a spring batch, you're butchering once it gets really hot. You know, usually in May is when we butcher. Uh, it's usually, you know, pushing, you know, high 80s, 90s by May sometimes. And it's just, it's miserable. And so doing it this way, probably going to have to, uh, you know, bundle up a little bit on butcher day, which that's, that's why we do it. That's why we do more, more chickens in the fall rather than splitting it and doing spring and fall. So yeah, we, we enjoy it. Have you done it this time of the year before? Yeah, we did it last year. We, we did, uh, I forget what it was. We, uh, I think it was 2020. I think that's when it was. It might've been 21. Uh, yeah, it would have been 21. We, uh, we did a spring and a fall and the fall batch was so much bigger and so much healthier. They were more feathered out and it's, you know, we were doing the Cornish cross. Um, we just noticed the numbers were better in fall. So the next year it was like, why don't we just do all the chickens in fall and we'll just do a huge batch and see if that gets us to next year. And it did. So we're doing that again. I think, I think we found our, our system. And, you know, once you stack on all the other animals, you know, our pork and beef and all that, uh, ideally we want to do all of our animals when it's cold, you know, the old ways, how did our forefathers do it? Well, we didn't kill stuff in the middle of summertime. We didn't have refrigerated shops and walk-in freezers. No, we waited until wintertime. We hung the animals outside. You did it when it was safe to do it. And you had time to think about what you were doing. So that's what we're trying to get back to. Now, do you find having the chickens on pasture later? Like, do you find that helps your grass grow up, green up quicker in the spring? Like, have you noticed, like, if the chicken manure is on there all summer or in the fall, is it better for the land? Have you been able to see a difference there? So I think the thing we've noticed is just having meat birds on pasture, period, is awesome. Um they're the places where we have always ran the meat birds every time we've done them. Uh, the grass is now the best on the entire property, which and we did that in three years. Um, and so where we're running them now, we're uh, we finished up running everywhere we were supposed to run because these are the uh, the Red Rangers or Murray's Big Red, I think is what they're called. Um, these ones are like 12 weeks. And so we have to travel a little bit farther on the path that we're on. Um, and so we're getting into the bottom of the property. We're down there, you know, where the drainage ends. And that's honestly, it's the richest, richest ground on the property is down there in the bottoms. Uh, and so we're, we'll see if it, we've never had chickens down there other than, you know, following the, the cow with the flock of layers. Um, we've never had the absolute fertilizer load that is a meat bird tractor. So we'll see if it greens up down there. There is one spot I'm curious. It's down there by where the pig pens are. Uh, it's always been real sparse. Um, they used to have an old barn down there where my pig pens currently are. Um, and nothing really grows. Uh, there's there's some grass there now because we've you know had two years of running a cow through and chickens and all that running through you know every couple weeks uh but we'll see if the meat birds will green that area up too i'm sure they will it's just you don't have to plan but if you want to have 
you want to have a farm or you want to do something, you, you got to take your time and plan and figure out like what works better. If you have small acre, just kind of all right there in front of you, you can just kind of have your gardens. And so I, I guess the answer to the question is it different with one acre or 500? Not really. Um, it's just, you just have this much more compared to, uh, you know, starting small. That's, that's kind of what I'm getting. Um, you have to plan more, but I mean, if you're honest going from an eighth of an acre to one acre, same applies. You have to plan more. You have to be careful how you do things. You have to, you know, sit and observe. And that's like the, what is that? The first rule of permaculture you, uh, observe. Um, sounds like that rule applies on any scale. Yeah, as much as we want to just do everything all this year, all in one year, you know, man, it's also trying not to get into heavy debt either. <laughs> That's hard. Yep. <laughs> well, cool, guys. I I think we nailed it. H have you announced your uh, your butcher class has been? Okay, <laughs> November 10th and 11th is the first class. Um, there will be sign-up information I can make available. I can... Uh, I could give Jason some info you could put in the show notes or description or something, yeah. or, you know, come to our channel and we'll, we'll have links on videos and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, November 10th and 11th, it's uh that's going to be the first pig, pig butchering class. Um, it's just me and Meg. Um, it's going to be kind of a, a quiet class where we're only, I think we're only opening it up to eight people, I think eight, eight to 10 people, something like that. It's a pretty small class. You know, nice. it's just, number. it's just in our, our barn. Our barn is about the size of a two car garage. So, I mean, realistically eight to 10 people is more than enough. You know, everybody's standing elbow to elbow around a table anyways. Uh, so it's going to be a fairly hands-on class. If you want to get in and get your hands dirty, this is the place to do it. Um, but at the same time, if you just want to watch and learn, that's fine too. That's, yeah, this is this is the kind of class I'm I'm finally getting to do the class that I always wanted to attend. Uh so I think it's pretty cool. So yeah, that's uh November tenth and eleventh. Yeah, and I've I've I was there when you taught a class before Ben and, and I must say I'm not just saying this because I'm your friend, but Ben teaches a really good class, honestly. <laughs> no, thank you. If I was closer, I'd be there. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah. From what little we have talked about it, I've had a couple people reach out and be like, Hey, like I'll be there. You know, just say the word and I'll, I'll be there. And it's like, got it. That's it's pretty cool. It's, it's really humbling realizing we're, uh, we're slowly changing the world one pig at a time. I think we, uh, nailed it this week and, uh, I hope everyone has an awesome week. Thank you guys for listening and watching uh, these podcasts. It really means a lot to us. We enjoy doing them. Uh, just kind of it gives us a reason to sit down and talk to each other, actually, and uh, just shoot the breeze. And it's it's kind of neat. And uh, one of these yep. days, Al, we'll we'll have to meet up in real person in real life. I hope we, I hope we get to do that at some point. I think that'd be cool to do a, a live podcast with just you know in person. Yep, but, that would be cool but uh, thank you guys for listening and watching and I uh, hope everyone has an awesome week we'll see ya bye bye see you guys <laughs>